This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. And uh, we found him, Mr. Rob Brown, host of the Views from Mint Street podcast, covering the Carolina Panthers, and also radio host of the Fan Upstate in Greenville, South Carolina. And... Also, at the Fan Upstate on Twitter. Check it out. He's also got a show with his name on it, The Rob Brown Show. It's a good time. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Make sure to hit the subscribe button before you go. But, all right, Rob, first question. Why do the Panthers hate the Saints? Uh, So this is really kind of interesting. I'm going to go behind the scenes and get myself in trouble. Uh, I'm actually from Louisiana and grew up a Saints fan, right? So I have been, in fact, uh, again, not to get myself in trouble, but right there over the head, you'll see one of the uh, the multiple Saints hats hanging here in the home studio. But the answer is because unless you are a Saints fan and you grew up in that culture where it's just a party all the time, and this shocks me, some people find us loud and obnoxious and over the top and i i don't understand it i don't get it but they do and panthers fans feel that way but so do falcons fans and bucks fans and just about everybody else again who don't know how to have a good time all the time and it's not to talk bad about panthers fans but i have said on my own pod that there are two groups of panthers fans there are the panthers fans that are your run-of-the-mill football fans But Charlotte also has a lot of what I call to their faces cheese and cracker fans that kind of look at football as a social event more than the way that most of us look at football. And so to them, if you come in as Saints fans do, I was actually at the week three Saints at Panthers game in Charlotte. When you come in and hoot and holler and raise hell and have a good time, it doesn't really fit with a lot of of the attitude But also Saints fans are known to talk a little smack and the Panthers fans don't really love that either. So there's just always kind of been this natural rivalry between the two. And as somebody who is kind of in the middle as guy who grew up a Saints fan who is now getting paid the medium bucks to cover the Panthers to sit in the middle of that rivalry and get paid for it is kind of amazing. Well, see, I think you misunderstood my question. I meant it more in the fact that the Panthers couldn't hold on to an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter of that goddamn football game. And they have now made this week not only meaningless for the Panthers, but meaningless for the Saints. This could have been a great football game. This could have been a game to decide the NFC South. Instead, it's not, and it's all your fault, and I hate you for it. Uh, of the reasons to hate, <laughs> that is a good one, uh, and I accept it, too. Like, I, I was sitting here thinking, as a fan and a radio guy, I win that game either way if it's for the division, right? Like either I'm happy as a fan or as a radio guy, I get to cover a team in the playoffs for a couple of weeks and go up to Charlotte person 
uh, for at least one home playoff game. It's wins for me all around. Look, the team fell apart, man. I mean, they absolutely fell apart. And I'm also going to go one step further and tell you that I think Steve Wilkes lost his opportunity to become that game. In fact, I broke down on our website. I broke down one play, the third, third, three, third Mike Evans touchdown to 100% because the defensive game plan sucked. It was bad. You created a situation where C.J. Anderson is getting roasted by Mike Evans like a Thanksgiving turkey. And then you set him up after Mike Evans had two touchdowns to go one-on-one with no over-the-top safety help again. Steve Wilkes lost his opportunity to be the head coach next year. That's why David Tepper was the first guy on the phone with Jim Harbaugh when the reports came out that he might be coming back to the league. It cost him the game. It cost him the division. It cost them a hell of an entertaining matchup this week. The silver lining for the NFC South being a dumpster fire inside of a larger dumpster (laughs) fire is that even though you lost the division, Carolina is not picking any worse than seventh to ninth in this draft and could pick as high as fifth. So I guess there's that good news there. Yeah, if I didn't know any better, I would have assumed they were tanking. But yeah, it was interesting because I've had a lot of people call the radio show. Uh, available at thefanupstate.com. You're welcome. People call the radio show and go, why not tank, right? Because even if you win the South, you're still going to be the lowest power-ranked playoff team. And the answer is because the playoffs are a new season. You get that energy shot, that adrenaline shot from making the playoffs. I will take make the playoffs at 6-11 and 11 over tank to 3-14 and, and 14 every single year. You can't win the dance if you don't punch the ticket. But it is a nice little benefit playing in the garbagest of garbage divisions in football that by losing that game and making us all endure one more season of Tom Brady in the playoffs, at least we have a first-round draft pick. How's that feel for you guys? Not good at all, for sure. Not great. Not great. (laughs) I mean, it seems like an eon ago since – eons ago since we played – uh, you guys in Carolina, a lot of differences. Obviously, a main one, quarterback, running back, even at wide receiver. Uh, just curious, what was your take on how the whole Baker Mayfield saga went in Carolina? I lay it squarely at the feet of offensive coordinator Ben McAdoo. I think that Ben McAdoo's biggest weakness and the reason that he won't be there next year either and probably, frankly, shouldn't have been here this year, we just didn't have a heck of a lot of options before the season started, is because Ben McAdoo is an OC that is going to force his game plan onto a player instead of implement his game plan around a player. I don't think he ever played to the strengths of Baker Mayfield, which is why Bake sucked at Carolina, goes to L.A., Sean McVay in Baker Mayfield's first game, less than 72 hours after he gets to L.A., less than 48 hours after his first practice, goes out and he wins the first football game for the L.A. Rams, and also bad football team because McVay is very good about taking players and crafting a game plan around them, whereas McAdoo says, here's the game plan, you're going to fit into that, whether your skill set fits it or not. Now, I think the Panthers have had a couple of games after Steve Wilkes took over. Go back and look at that Detroit game on Christmas Eve, where we absolutely ran the ball down the throat of the Detroit Lions, pulled it out, and did it again. We established the identity 
And the frustrating thing about the loss to Tampa, fellas, was that we established that with Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and Sam Darnold, who can run the ball a little bit, with DJ Moore and, and Shai Smith and LaVisca Chenault able to create on the outside. We're a running football team that if we pound the rock can win games, we do it against Detroit. We put up a franchise record against Detroit, and then we come out the next week against Tampa and throw the ball 50 times? Ben, no. <laughs> Please, no. More like Ben Wackadoo, am I right? Hey, oh. Ladies and gentlemen, tip your weight. Just try the veal. Yes, got him. Um, but yeah, you know, so I am, I'm curious. So like you said, and that's what I was going to ask you actually is, you know, this is a team that fired its head coach, traded Chris McCaffrey, traded Robbie Anderson. I don't know if there were any others baked in there, but this is a team that was clearly selling off its pieces and firing its head coach because it did not believe that it would be competitive this season, even in a bad NFC South, right? Like that was like the distinct difference between the Saints and the Panthers is the Saints were like, no, we're going for it. And the Panthers were like, meh. But despite that, and despite losing games like like against the Falcons, where all you had to do was make an extra point from 48 yards because DJ Moore couldn't keep his damn helmet on, despite all of those things, they were in the NFC South race out of what you could only describe as like sheer will and accidents. And so like Steve Wilkes, I mean, it, did it feel like he was ever going to keep that job? And does it has that changed now? Or, or was it kind of just like, you know he's just setting himself up to be like the Dan Campbell where he just takes over as an interim and then eventually he'll get a job somewhere else. Cause it just like, it does feel like it changed when you have a game to potentially win the division or at least set yourself up to win the division and you blow it that masterfully. It does feel like it changes the understanding of what you can do as a head coach, even though you did motivate this team to punch above its weight for the second half of the season, the way you did. Yeah, there were a couple of things going on. I mean, first and foremost, you got to take into consideration the fact that Steve Wilkes took over as the head coach in week six. And so in effectively 12 games, was able to match the season high win total of Matt Rule in two years, right? I mean, that that in itself says something. Then you look at the fact that Steve Wilkes did so after losing Robbie Anderson, now in fairness, Robbie Anderson was kind of become a bit of a locker room cancer, a little bit of a problem. And we've seen that at Arizona. He goes to Arizona, a place that theoretically under Cliff Kingsbury, Robbie Anderson should be the pro bowler that he claimed he was. Has anybody seen Robbie Anderson since week eight? No, I've actually, I have seen him. I saw him during the other collapse that ruined the saints chances. He didn't catch a ball, but I did see him. (laughs) If that makes you feel better. He is. He was there. I saw him in the huddle. The other thing that's interesting is that you've had a lot of the players that have come out and said that they were going to ride with Steve Wilkes. In fact, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle, uh, I think a week and a half, two weeks ago, came out and said, I speak on behalf of the entire locker room when I say that we want Steve Wilkes to be the head coach next year. And there was not a Panther player that came out and disagreed with him. Now, that is that because they didn't want to start drama or because they agree we can all have our subjective speculation. I tend to believe that's the case. Wilkes at Arizona, when he was the head coach there, and he was there for one year, a year that he was never in control of that program. Steve Wilkes, I think we can all look back now, or at least most of us look back now, and agree he was a placeholder, right? Like he was the guy that they just had to have a body in that office until they found the guy they did the next year in Cliff Kingsbury. Steve Wilkes didn't get a fair shake in Arizona. 
So all of us kind of said, okay, I don't think you can hold what happened in his one year there against them. He comes into Carolina. He takes over a roster that Matt that Matt Rule built without him. He takes over and watches his number two receiver and one of the best two or three running backs in the National Football League in Christian McCaffrey get traded away from him. Now, as you pointed out, the reason why is because the Panthers at that point had no reason to believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be bad and the division was going to be available for the taking for a sub-500 football team. So at that point, it was sell-off. If we knew what the Panther season was going to become and the Buck season was going to become, they probably hang on to McCaffrey because imagine the two-headed monster of McCaffrey and Deontay Foreman of the last five weeks with Chuba Hubbard to come in as a spell. It's a different look, right? But that's that's another pod. I think Steve Wilkes for a while had a really solid opportunity. I said when he got made the interim head coach, this is an on-field audition. This is his opportunity to prove he's the guy. Did he do enough to do that? Kind of like close this is the way I said it on our pod. Steve Wilkes has the job, despite the, the the collapse against Tampa, which I do place at his feet because it was the defense that fell apart. Darnold and company did enough to win the game, despite Ben McAdoo. The defense fell apart. A lot of injuries, a lot of problems. And, oh, by the way, it is that Tom Brady guy. Steve Wilkes has the job unless the Panthers can hit, can, can hit a home run with the hire. Uh, Harbaugh? Is a home run for the hire. I'm going to say this because I'm curious about y'all's reaction. Sean Payton would be a home run hire if he is a guy that, hey, the Panthers got eight picks in this draft. If it's a bidding war to New Orleans to get Sean Payton's rights, the Panthers have got more capital than anybody else to make that happen if they're willing to sacrifice it and Sean's willing to coach in that same division. But a Harbaugh or a Payton, home run hires, Steve Wilkes is out the door. If not, then Steve Wilkes has put himself on the list of candidates to be interviewed, and he'll have an opportunity to go, all of that was Matt Rule. I took Matt Rule's team. I had you knocking on the door of the playoffs. Now give me a shot with me at the controls, and let's see what happens. Yes, for me, I can't see Mickey Loomis letting Sean go to Carolina, no matter what the hole would be. I'm, I'm curious, though, would Carolina really – want to feed New Orleans all the those future draft picks and stockpile them for Sean kind of thing. I know they've got the money there to spend though with uh you know with your owner Tepper is has got an open checkbook and is definitely willing to spend. See to me that's the question. Like I think the Saints will trade him to to a division rival if the price is right. The question is more will a division rival be willing to load up a division rival with picks? Yeah, yeah just to bring in a coach who will then not have those picks to improve his own roster. That's the question. But I, I don't think that the Saints would would bat an eye if there's two first-round picks coming in and they're like, okay, Sean, go have fun in, in North Carolina for a while, right? Like, I, I think they would do that. As you guys will point out, it is, it is obviously about price and it's about the bargain. I mean, the first thing we have to consider is who else might be in on that sweepstakes, right? Like, there's always been the talk that Sean Payton's ultimate destiny is in Dallas, but... The Dallas Cowboys are a win this week and some help away from winning the NFC East from going in as as high as the two seed. I think they could be the one seed. Yeah, or excuse me, yeah, if, if they knock off, if, if Philly gets bounced and Dallas gets in, they could. You can't toss Mike McCarthy after this season, right? So now it is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a little bit wackadoodle, so like maybe he would to stroke his ego. Who knows? 
But I think Dallas is out of the mix. Would Indianapolis be in the mix? Jim Irsay is about to interview Jeff Saturday. So who the hell knows? Would the Denver brought Denver's the only team that I think could really screw this up and drive the price up because they're going to be willing to go Sean Payton, whatever the hell you want. We're done. We tried. We're out of the way. And Russell Wilson's here. So you've got the quarterback. Now there's a lot of talk, obviously, about Russ has dramatically fallen off this year. Nobody's going to argue that. What you can argue is, can we put that on Nathaniel Hackett? Can we say, because Russ balled out against Kansas City this weekend, the first weekend without Nathaniel Hackett in charge. So if they go, hey, Sean, Russ has still got it, and Sean believes Russ has still got it, and Denver's got a little capital, Denver could could kind of drive up the price a little bit. But the question is, is what's the market value of Sean Payton to New Orleans? And the reality is, fellas, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of players that we thought might be in here teams like Dallas to be there. I don't know that the price is going to be as high as you guys think it's going to be for Sean Payton. And that might be for David Tepper, who's looking for a rock star hire because the folks in Charlotte have really turned on him. There's a very anti-David Tepper sentiment right now. If David Tepper is looking for a, a, a rock star home run hire to get the, the fans back, he might be willing to risk giving a little bit of capital to New Orleans and going, hey, if you're going to keep Dennis Allen, we're pretty sure Sean Payton with six draft picks can outcoach Dennis Dennis Allen with no first rounder and none and a salary cap problem that Mickey Loomis has got to navigate here. It might be worth the risk for Carolina, to be honest. That's fair. Not to just pivot completely off of that, but I'm going to pivot completely off of that. My question for you is, Are the Panthers going to try to win this football game? Because I believe that the Saints are going to try to win this football game. And I'm talking more from a better's perspective, right? Like if you're thinking, you know, I'm going to put some action on this game. Are the Panthers going to give it a serious try is my question. Because I think the Saints are going to start the the healthy starters. And I'm curious what the Panthers are going to do. Oh, yeah, they they absolutely are. Here's the thing. If there was... Any level of tank mentality this team, this team wouldn't have been playing for a divisional opportunity last weekend. They could have laid it down back in week six, back in week seven. You got to look at it for a few reasons. Steve Wilkes is still coaching for a job. Maybe not Carolina, right. but he is coaching for a head coaching job. Sure. You're going to get everything out of him. Sam Darnold is done at the end of this year. Now, there is a there is a world in which Sam Darnold gets a one-year extension with the Panthers, depending on how the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud drafts cost goes, right? So Sam Darnold's playing for his job. Deontay Foreman's trying to play to earn more money on his next extension. You got a lot of guys defensively that are right about the time where that contract, you got guys playing for money, and you got Steve Wilkes playing for a head coaching job next year. The Panthers are going to try to win this game. The only question to me, it's not about effort, fellas. It's about, are you going to get the Christmas Eve Panthers that run the ball 48 times for 300 yards, or are you going to get the Tampa Bay Panthers that try to turn Sam Darnold into Drew Brees and have him throw it 48 (laughs) times? If you get the Christmas Eve Panthers, this one's going to be fun because Andy Dalton and company are not going to get the ball for nearly as long as they have the last few in terms of time of possession and are going to have to be much more efficient with the limited possessions that they'll get in this game. But if Sam Darnold's going to wing it 48 times, you guys are going to run 95 plays in this game. 
and it could kind of it kind of kind of skew the betting line a little bit. I'm not touching this game, not because I think Carolina is going to rest anybody. They won't. Not because I think y'all are going to rest anybody. They won't. But because I don't know what in the hell Ben McAdoo is going to do with the play sheet on Sunday because we watched. We got embarrassed by Pittsburgh trying to throw the ball. We ran the ball right up and down Detroit and back. And then we turned around and tried to throw the ball again against Tampa Bay. I don't know which of those Panthers teams is going to show up. I'm not touching this game with your money, Jeff, and I know you've got a lot of it. <laughs> he actually well, has been, been winning a lot of bets yeah, this week. He's been winning his bets, so you're, he's right, you're right there. So I won back-to-back parlays. I took LSU minus 15 and like over 53. They covered that by themselves. They got like 63 points in the game. So that was that was a big parlay win for me. And then I got Tulane plus one and a half over 66. That, like they literally within like 20 minutes of each other, I won hundreds of dollars. Um, anyway, so yeah, I do have a lot of money right now. So maybe I will uh, maybe I will let you bet it for me. I have been terrible with the NFL just the last two weeks. I had like a 73% win percentage up through about week 15. Yeah, trying to figure out this year's NFL schedule and that just the NFL in general is just insane. Um, but Steve, you got anything else? A little bit about more on uh, Foreman and Hubbard. Is, has, has anyone really emerged as that lead back? Because it kind of seems like the Panthers are still really alternating both between those two. If you ask me, yes, Deontay Foreman's the guy. But what was interesting was, again, you go back to that Detroit game, which I think is the the kind of the one that you want to spend the most time on. Remember those first two plays that really established a run game? Those were both Chuba Hubbard. Uh, those were both 30-plus yards by the backup. And then Deontay Foreman kind of came in after that. But I, I would say it's like 60% Deontay Foreman, 40% Chuba Hubbard, primarily because they're switching the looks back and forth. And so you can't really, like Pittsburgh came in when we did mostly Deontay Foreman, but I think he only had like 10 or 11 carries in that game. They loaded up the box. They keyed in on Foreman. And Ben McAdoo went, oh, my goodness, we got to let Sam Darnold throw. It didn't work. <laughs> Against Detroit, we threw Chuba Hubbard. We tried to work them into a more finesse run defense. They bit on that. We switched it up to Foreman, ran the rock up the gut. They started putting 7-8 in the box. You started working with Hubbard to the outside again. There's a lot of versatility there that, like I said, I kind of wonder if we're having the same conversation if Christian McCaffrey doesn't get traded and we've got him and Deontay Foreman. But, hey, wishes and dreams, right? Uh, I, I kind of wonder what the game plan is going to be. That's the reason I'm not betting the game. Do we do to you guys what we get a, uh, did against Detroit and go, hey, until you prove that you can stop Deontay Foreman, you're going to get have plenty of carries out of him. And then when you do, we're going to start working Chuba Hubbard for some ISOs, maybe off guard, off tackle, try to extend the defense laterally, and then come back and hit you up the gut. I don't know because I don't think Ben McAdoo knows <laughs> until he gets up there and he shakes his magic eight ball and gets told what play he's going to call next. Yeah, and I, and I do. I, I think Deontay Foreman, just generally speaking, it's kind of cool to see him back in the NFL, right? He was a good player young, when he was a young player, and then he just had injury after injury after injury after injury. So it's cool to see him get a chance. Yeah, I saw the story the other day about, uh, you know, he was in Atlanta, obviously, and he had a, an injury that uh, he said in an interview he thought was going to make him walk away for football. He kind of got exasperated by the injuries and thought he was going to walk away. And he told the story about how he had a uh, conversation with his dad at one point where he he promised his dad that 
he wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to walk away from the game. Decided to give it one more shot at Carolina. And dude has been the offense for the Panthers for the most part, at least in the wins, right? The, the, the wins have been Darnold taking care of the football. In, in the six wins, or excuse me, five wins since week 12 when he took over, no interceptions, one fumble, no other issues. And in the games that we have won, Deontay Foreman has averaged over 170 yards a game in all <laughs> the games we've lost, under 50. It's not that hard to figure out, boys. Don't 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 overthink it. Sometimes the obvious solution is the right one, and if Carolina figures that out, I like them against New Orleans on the road this weekend. The problem is, like I said, Ben McAdoo goes looking for an Einsteinian caliber response to a really, really simple formula for winning. I almost feel like sometimes that's uh, I'm I'm yelling a lot about that with Taysom Hill's usage here. Just please keep pounding it with Taysom. Uh, and actually, we were actually uh, talking about that earlier. He's a bit of a question of popping up on the injury report today and wondering if he'll end up playing in this game or resting. He's, he has a back issue right now, so that'll be something to watch. Well, the, the, the good news for, for New Orleans is going to be that it does not look like J.C. Horn is going to be available. They were really hoping after that surgery he would get back. If J.C. Horn's available in that game against Tampa, I'm not saying he stops Mike Evans, <laughs> but he only needs to break up as one of those touchdown passes. And we right. Game, right? It's true. Doesn't look like J.C. Horn's going to be back, which means C.J. Henderson and Josh Norman, okay, are going to be out there. And by the way, can I just say from a Carolina perspective, Andy Dalton has been quiet, sneaky, efficient for you guys, and I think it's been under the radar. But if he's going to have a day to get himself in the ESPN FedEx Air Player of the Week Awards or whatever <laughs> it is, it's this weekend with a banged-up Carolina secondary and the fact <laughs> that some of those guys that are kind of mid-tier injury report that would go if we are playing for the playoffs this week probably get some, some R&R times. Like I said, to me, this game is 100% determined by Carolina's run game. If we use it, Carolina ought to win the game, or at least it ought to be a very close game. If we decide to turn Sam Darnold loose again, thinking that he's Aaron Rodgers, you guys ought to beat us by 21. Yeah, you said you said Josh Norman is like my. I was like, wait, that Josh Norman? I can't believe he's still in the NFL. Prior to Coastal Carolina University, he was running a coffee shop when the Panthers <laughs> called him and asked him to come back. That's where this team is right now. <laughs> yeah, I think I thought Derrick Henry ended his career, but apparently, yes, it, it, that is what happened. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode of Inside Black and Gold. We've been talking to Rob Brown. Check out his podcast, Views from Mint Street. It's up there at the Fan Upstate. Check him out at the Rob Brown Show. He's a legend in his own mind right now. Um, that's what you will find out when you look him up on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Pleasure's been mine, fellas. Always enjoy talking, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again next year, and we won't have to worry about Tampa anymore. Yes, sir. You are, you, you know, this is a big moment. You are our first repeat guest on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> I'm out here making history, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll etch that. We'll etch that into the into the plaque. Yes, I love it. I, I've got my uh, I've got my South Carolina Sports Talk Radio Show of the Year award up over the desk. I expect my trophy for first repeat inside black and gold football. Uh, I love it. Right next uh, on the trophy case. It's coming. It's coming. Check the mail. All right, man. Be easy. Appreciate you guys. See y'all next time. Peace. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. As you probably figured out by our publication schedule this week, we are shifting into off-season mode dun, dun, right dun, there dun. with the Saints. And uh, <laughs> so we're going to be doing two episodes a week starting this week. 
we'll still have the post-game podcast that posts on Monday. But then from that point on, we'll be Tuesday, Thursday. So just, I mean, we'll still be giving you podcasts every week. Just going to be a slightly different schedule. And we're going to be doing two instead of three. It's just not going to be that much to talk about, you know, until we get into draft season. So we'll have to scrape the bottom of the barrel for ideas. But if you do have ideas of stuff you want to hear, stuff you want us to go through, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. Let me know. And, you know, no idea is a bad idea unless it's a bad idea, in which case I will tell you it's a bad idea and we won't do it. So keep that in mind. But anyway, any any parting words of wisdom, Steve? He's still trying to figure out his sign-off. Curious if he's got anything. No, I'm, I'm starting to think now, oh, man, I got to start lining up draft guests for us. Yes, we should do that. We should do that. <laughs> yeah. that that'll, that'll be a good be- way to... Yeah, Talk that'll about be coming stuff. down soon. The, the problem is we can line up all the draft guests we want. No one knows anything about like the second round or who's even going to be there. So it's like, no, what are we going to yeah. talk about? We can, talk, we can talk about all the players the Saints won't have a chance to draft anyway. And just the speculation too, if there is a Sean Payton deal, what exactly is going to be the haul? I know a lot of fans are hoping for two first round picks, but will it really garner that much is a huge question. I can't wait to talk about that because it's not like we've been talking about that all goddamn year or anything. All right. Just a different Let's wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And peace. <laughs>